Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Box and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you are not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. Rope bondage is a risky activity, and you shouldn't attempt it without first getting proper training. Listen to episode zero if you haven't already. Fox is a rigger, and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. This episode is made possible by our patrons who support us each month. If you would like to help, head to ropepodcast.com to see many options. This year, we want to focus on bringing the Rope Podcast to a wider audience. To achieve that, we would like to ask you to follow us on Instagram and reshare this episode in your Instagram stories. We are Rope Podcast on Instagram. Another thing that helps us is if you give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. It's anonymous, so you won't have your name visible on the internet connected with a kinky podcast, don't worry. And now, going on with the show. This is the second part of our interview with Wicked Ren, and if you have not heard the first half, we strongly recommend you go back to the episode right before this one and listen to that first. Now continuing our conversation with Ren. So, Ren, we would be remiss to not mention that you also are a host on the Rope Podcast. You're a part of this very, very small club. Uh, it's like really a handful of us. Yeah, there's that many. So, how did you end up being a Rope Podcast host for Shibari Study? It's kind of a funny story. I really wanted to host a podcast. And I reverse engineered who I could host a podcast for. I was thinking to myself, I really want to host something. I love journalism. And, and I feel like that's what you're doing as well as a podcast host. You're a journalist in a lot of ways. And I was feeling really inspired to that. Or I was feeling really inspired by that. A lot of my role models and a lot of my current role models at that time were hosts of podcasts. Alexa Chung and Debbie Millman, Malcolm Gladwell, these people that are event makers, I very much like. So one day it just clicked. It's like, oh, Shabari study. It'd be great. It'd be perfect. And then I started thinking about ideas and ways I'd want to do it. And I originally had an idea about doing something called Behind the Pictures, where I would take a picture and then talk about what was behind that, because photos don't always tell the full story. But then I realized that was pretty limiting to do mm. and exploratory conversations and things were way more fun. And this scene is so diverse. There's very, very, very few people actually do rope as their job. So everyone has some weird hidden thing that they're doing that I want to know about. How do you choose your guests? How do you decide who might be interesting um, and add what you want to the podcast i usually want someone that has an overlap somewhere i'm really interested in intersections those are super fun to me so somebody that is a professional poker player and does a bondage someone that is a podcast host and does a bondage like you all you do many things and that is fun to me because truthfully i'm not super interested in which TK you tie. I don't really care which direction your kanukis go, but I do want to know about 
how you were brought up Mormon and how that plays into robe, those kinds of things. So that's one thing that I think is cool. Unique experience, unique intersections. Also someone that just is interesting in general. Ren, what kind of insights do you feel you gain through doing the podcast? When I do an episode, I'm always so impressed by people doing the same thing over and over. And this sounds strange to say. I know it sounds strange, but I'm a person that I do a lot of stuff. And it's always so cool to me to talk to people that have been doing rope for 10 years and they're growing in that one hobby that one skill set, and they're getting better and better and better at it. And the level of detail that we can talk in a lot of times is incredible to me. So that's something I'm always blown away by when I interview someone. It's crazy to me, the amount of detail people can share about rope. Do you have um, goals for the podcast? Are there things you want it to achieve? The person that I have in mind when I do a podcast is brand new rope bottom coming into the scene. And I want that person to have a landing place for people to talk about stuff that we can't really talk about in a class or something. For a lot of times, these things have taken the form of rope bottoms round table. And I think that that's cool, but I do think that the podcast should facilitate more discussion between switches or tops or self-tires or whatever around potential hang-ups, things that people have learned and grown through over time. That's also huge. So I want the new person entering the scene, specifically bottoms that are at risk of being pushed into things that they don't want to be pushed in, to have a landing place to come in and feel good to hear some stories stuff like that so i guess that's kind of a goal of mine is like always keeping that person in mind but another goal is to document more because it's so difficult to do research about rope and kink you have to speak many different languages you have to be in many different random groups on fetlife there's, it's so hard to do it. And we also, we make the same mistakes over and over as a scene. Same things happen. Same things happen. And I think things like the Shprice podcast, like your podcast, the other podcasts that are out there are helping that not be the case. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really want to share our love of rope to as many listeners as possible, and for that we need your help. Please go to Instagram and follow our account Rope Podcast, then reshare this episode in your stories. Show your love of rope and help others discover it too. Talking about Dom Sub, um, we had a conversation previously about implied power dynamics in rope and some of the challenges that the rope scene has. And I wondered if you could talk to that a bit. I think what, what you were just saying with implied power dynamics, this is a big conversation and we're taking off a little chunk of it, but the idea 
that someone is able to say yes or able to say no is huge. We talk a lot about if you don't want to do something, then just say no. And that's really fun in theory, but that's not always the case. It's not always possible for people. If you drive across town, you come into someone's apartment, the mood is set, there's candles, you spent $30 on parking or a ride share, you're in an outfit that you got, you're sitting on the, on the tatami mat and you're negotiating you don't have the ability to say yes or no in all the ways that maybe you want to say yes or no. And I think keeping those things in mind is really important. You know, not asking leading questions is also a really big one. Saying something like, that was okay, right? That's not <laughs> a very good way to ask things. Yeah, and those are like little pieces of a power dynamic that are, that are there that are just being implied under the surface. Right. You're put you're making someone you're putting someone's back against the wall in the beginning and they're having to negotiate out. And that's not a very good place for people to negotiate, whether you're a top or you're a bottom. Ren, you like challenges. I'd like the three of us to tackle a challenging question together and let's put our brains together and see that as a collaboration. Um, you just said, and I completely agree, that it can be difficult for someone to say no to some things due to context and implied power dynamics. And you also said at the beginning of this interview that one thing that you sought in Robe was to be wanted and desired. So how can we make people feel wanted and desired without doing it in a way that pressures them and makes it difficult for them to assert their consent? That's a really good question. That's a hard question to answer. I mean, it's like mm -hmm. such a big, big thing to answer. I think for me, the first step is you kind of know there's a general vibe in the beginning. I'm not saying that that's everything, but I'm saying that that is the little baby spark in the beginning. If that little vibe isn't there, then maybe you should take note of that, right? So what's the vibe? Because as a very pragmatic person, like how do we define something that's a bit um, conceptual and theoretical? What does it mean to you that a vibe is there? What should a new person look out for? Do you want to do it? Are you feeling like you want to engage with this person? Is it enthusiasm, you would say, that is the proxy for that? Yeah, I think it can take on many different forms. But the spark is, do I really want to engage with this person? Do I really want to do this thing? Or am I in a room with 20 other people that I know and this person has 80,000 million Instagram followers and I want to get on that feed? Those are two very different things. And again, this is the most abstract feeling. This isn't something we can really quantify, but it should start there. It should start with, am I enthusiastic about doing this? And, the, and that's, all, that's an easy thing to answer inside. Yes or no? And if the answer is no, then don't go forward with it, right? That should influence things. I think the other piece of this is asking a lot of general questions about what the person likes versus what they want to do with you. That's a really big difference in stuff. Hey, if we were going to tie together, would it be cool if I did this? That's a totally different question than 
what kind of rope do you like? Because I think the approach to the question is if you ask something like, hey, if I tied you and I did this to you, would you like it? That now makes the person think about your feelings as a top instead of what they really want versus do you like air rope? Do you like it when this happens? Those kinds of things. I think that it is not a great thing when the question's asked and the bottom has to take into account someone else's feelings. Okay. So starting from an open position where you say, okay, so talk to me more generally about the rope you like. What have you done in the past that's been enjoyable for you? What's been something that hasn't worked out for you? Do you feel, because of these implied power dynamics, do you feel that the top can also do that? Because I think one of the challenges here is that, you know, it's important for tops to have a nice time too. And sometimes tops are pressured into doing things that might not work for them super well. how do we balance the needs of the top and the bottom whilst taking into account these power dynamics? Just an easy question there, Ren. No problem. Super problems. easy. <laughs> yeah, like when our powers combine, all the podcast hosts, we go to really PhD level questions, <laughs> apparently. I've never been in a situation where I've felt like a top, as a top, you kind of have the cards. You're mm-hmm. physically putting the rope on the person, on the bamboo, on the hard point, whatever. You have the pragmatic power. Yes. I don't, I'm sure you could be pressured into doing things, but I, I think that that pressure is a lot different than a pressure of a bottom. Having people watch them and them wanting to be strong, them wanting to do things and continue and continue. I don't. I don't know. I think it's a very, very different problem because I think one of them is more based in the ego and the patriarchy and things like that. And I I think that's probably how tops are approaching that, right? Like it's mainly, it's just an ego thing. If you don't want to say, no, I don't want to tie you like that, right? And you're feeling like you want to do something. Versus a bottom feeling like they're not going to be desired or they're not going to be strong enough or the room that's watching them isn't going to approve or something like that. And then pushing through. But you'd rather err on the side of keeping the bottom safe because you see the bottom as the more vulnerable actor in that situation, right? I think that this is a hot take, but I do think that bottoms are more vulnerable to all kinds of things, gaslighting, manipulation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, a top can be. All these things can happen to tops, but we don't see that in tops really ever. That's really a bottom-focused thing. And let's be honest, it's really a man doing it to a woman kind of thing. That's usually when those kinds of things happen. Typically, the challenges happen between a male top and a female bottom the main things that i'm talking about are men that don't know how to have conversations with women that are bottoms and phrasing things in improper ways that's mainly what i'm alluding to so one suggestion i have like in terms of practical tips for listeners is to take your negotiation off the mat so have the negotiation as much as possible 
when you are not in a seen space? Because the description that you um, went through, you know, you've gone very far down the road. That's what's happening there. You've already made implicit commitments yeah. to the activity. And that's what's happening. Yeah, like one step, one step, one step, one step. So if you can pull your negotiation back to before you've made any of those implied commitments, then you're more likely to have um, what I would see as a neutral negotiation where you, you have more um, agency to make decisions. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think it's phenomenal. Agency is huge. And I think maintaining agency as a bottom is the name of the game, especially in the beginning. And that's a very different, that's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, well, and, and I think bottoms, and I, this is a frustration of mine personally, bottoms need to educate themselves because um, in our case, you know, Fox obviously does a lot of negotiation um, and has iterated that process <laughs> hundreds yeah. of times to try and make I it have, better. I have specialized software to do it. Yeah, 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 in order to give people the opportunity to opt in, yeah. not mm -hmm. to, and it's up to them. But what I see in some of these bottoms that frustrates me is, oh, anything's okay. And that, like for me, if I hear that, I, I'm like, red flag, red flag on the bottom. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a good point. And another point that connects back to what we were saying at the beginning of the interview is another piece of feedback I get is because I structure negotiations in a way that means the other person never has to say no to me if possible. They come back to me saying, oh, but actually you're not really interested in me because you're not chasing me. And after a couple of sessions, they're like, well, since you don't like me enough, we're not going to tie anymore. So that can be really tricky. And there's a lot of cultural crap underlaying that, yeah. I feel. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that sounds like someone I wouldn't want to tie with. <laughs> yeah, I all... think people don't know themselves. I mean, and, and this is my, prof like, outside of this, my profession is all around helping people understand themselves better. Yeah. And I feel like the world would be a better place the more we understand what we do want and what we mm. don't want. And I think a lot of times people go into the scene, and me included, you know, if I think about myself 10 years ago, I don't think I knew what I wanted and what I didn't want. And that meant that I tried things out and sometimes I didn't like it. And that is absolutely okay but that's not a thing to blame my top for. That's a thing to think about, okay, I made that choice. I actively made that choice and I didn't like it, but I did make a choice. And so there's a real challenge around how did that choice happen and how much agency did I have? And do I need to give my top any feedback about implicit pressure or actually was it okay? Yeah, I think that's a good point. But I also think you like it better when the top asks you to play than when you have to go ask a top. I almost always ask the top and purposefully. Like if I see a top that I want to tie with, then I almost always proactively ask a top, which is hard because sometimes they say no. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good thing to experience, I and think. I want to be clear that there's no, there's nothing wrong with a top asking a bottom to play or do something or engage. These are great things. It should happen on both sides of the slash, both sides of the of the rope. It's just in the phrasing. And generally, we see it happen where when tops tops 
have more agency, more power to ask in a way that removes agency from the bottom. Mm. Whereas a bottom doesn't have that same power, generally speaking. Should we teach a class to help tops phrase their interactions better? That's a really good question. And I think obviously the answer to that is yes. I think that the second <laughs> thing to that is I'm not sure how to answer this question because I don't think the people that need to hear that would go to that class. Yeah, that's always the problem. The people going to the consent class are the people yeah. who are already consent aware. That can be a challenge. That being said, we should still do that class on Shibari study sometimes. It's even a hard <laughs> thing to talk about right now because it is a lot of experience-based things. It's a lot of things that you just see. And it's things that you don't even think about until much, 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 much later. And it's the same thing where I'm sure both of you have done this. I've done this. Someone new comes in the rope and you say, hey, don't do this, this, this. And then they do this, this, this. Oh, yeah. That's what everyone does. So back to your thing of why I wanted to start the Shabari Say podcast. This is why I want a rope bottom that is coming in to hear that kind of stuff. I want a rope top to hear this kind of stuff because this is the stuff that's really important to me. I don't care what kind of rope someone does. But this stuff is what's keeping people safe and what's actually empowering people and giving them agency. Yeah. And I feel that's important both at the individual level because we don't want to hurt people. I think that's really not our intent in doing rope. But also at a scene level, if we make those things healthier, the longevity and stability of scenes is way better because what happens otherwise is new people come in and they get damaged or burnt out super quickly, and you get those high turnover, unstable, dangerous scenes developing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what does the future of rope hold for you, Ren? I would like to do rope more. <laughs> I currently, the person I tie with is very far from me. The person I tie mm. with the most is very far from me. I would like to do rope more, get a partner that's closer. Shabari Say podcast, gonna keep going full force. Yeah. And I think that that's probably it right now, to be honest. I want to do a photo book with rope. That's something I've been really thinking about. I just don't know how I want to do that, how I want to show it. I have some ideas, but yeah. And because you're just a tiny bit of an overachiever, you don't actually have just one podcast. You actually have two, don't you? I have another one called The Corn Corner. It's with my friend Cam Damage, and it comes out weekly. It is a podcast where we take a topic ranging from Pop-Tarts to gender dysphoria. <laughs> and we talk about it for an hour. And we That sounds really fun. And, and Cam is also an amazing rope person, by the way. Cam is an amazing rope person. Yeah, Cam's also kind of in the same place with rope that, that I am. You should get Cam on if you uh, Definitely. Super mm -hmm. happy to. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you so much for coming on the Rope Podcast today, Ren. We went pretty deep into the weeds with that last conversation, but man, that was really worth it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for getting in them weeds with me. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying. <laughs>